Welcome to the podcast. I'm Shira Schoenberg. The Massachusetts House passed a bill legalizing sports betting last summer, and the Massachusetts Senate, after much hesitation, followed suit on Thursday. With the governor also a supporter of sports betting, sports betting has a good chance at becoming law this year, if the details can be ironed out between the House and the Senate. Here with me today to talk about the sports betting debate are State Senator Eric Lesser, the Senate Chair of the Committee on Economic Development and Emerging Technologies, and Father Richard McGowan, a Boston College finance professor who is a national expert on legalized gambling. Thank you so much for joining me. Senator Lester, I'll start with you. The governor has been pushing for sports betting since 2019. The House has been supportive. What took the Senate so long? Well, good to see you, Shira. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's good to be here with uh, with Father McGowan. And, you know, the Senate was deliberating whether or not, just as a threshold question, number one, this is a good idea to do. Uh, and number two, if we go down the route, which we decided to do, uh, to go down the route of legalization, what and how that should that should look. Uh, and I think that what we did last week in the Senate is an example of, I think, a bill that is really well-crafted uh, and is going to create a really good, high-quality product for consumers. I think something to keep in mind during the discussion about all of this is, uh, at the end of the day, this is still a gambling product. Uh, and a lot of members of the Senate uh, are concerned about expanding gambling. Uh, and that's their position. Many have been very consistent in believing that for a long time through their uh, through their political careers. And there was a process of working with the senators on measures that would help them feel more comfortable about the legalization. I think we did that with some of the consumer protections you see around it. And during debate, Senator, you initially called for a roll call vote, then withdrew it, and the bill passed on a voice vote. Why pass the bill on a voice vote so the public doesn't know how each senator voted? Well, I think the public does know how senators voted because there were multiple amendments and there was debate for hours throughout the day. Uh, the way our rules work is that we, we can pass legislation through acclamation. So any one senator could have objected to that. But there was broad consensus by the time we went through the process of going through well over 60 amendments. And as you pointed out, uh, nearly four years since the Supreme Court allowed states to legalize sports betting, there had been a pretty exhaustive process leading up to that. So there was, we were getting towards the end of things and people felt like it was in a good place. And uh, so there, it wasn't, we didn't feel it was necessary. But uh, again, there was a pretty long debate and there were several specific amendments where there were multiple roll calls taken. Uh, and, um, and at that point, people felt comfortable with where the bill was. Uh, there really wasn't any opposition. It's pretty unusual, though. I mean, a lot of Senate bills have passed without a lot of opposition with roll calls. What's different this time? Uh, I don't think so. You've covered this stuff for a while. We do a lot of bills. Uh, we do a lot of bills without roll calls. So, uh, and there, you know, and there's still going to be a conference committee, and then there's going to be a vote back on the conference report. So, there's quite a lot of steps left to this. So, I don't think it was particularly unusual. And Father McGowan, Massachusetts has legalized casino gambling for a long time now. Why do you think sports betting is a different conversation? Are there factors unique to sports betting that need to be considered? What are some of those factors? Well, I, I think the primary factor is a little different than the casino gambling is basically, uh, and I think both bills realize that if you're going to have a successful on, uh, uh, sports gambling, you're gonna have, it has to be online. And because that is where where people who want to make sports bets, they don't want to have to go to a casino. 
They don't want to go to a racetrack to make the bets. In other words, a physical bet. And I think once you put it online, I think there's a, there is a great concern. And it, and it's certainly the state Senate in Massachusetts has shown this over the years. They're greatly concerned about the problem gambling uh, issue. And so I think that it goes up, certainly uh, in New Jersey, for instance, the, the, the amount of problem gambling has doubled. Now, admittedly, it went from 2% to 4%, but it is significant. And, and I think it, it, it's, it's that is, there's the real crux of the problem. I think, you know, when you look at sports gambling, it has a, it, it, it can easily be a lot more, uh, lead to a lot more problem gambling. And I know both you and the Senator mentioned some of these concerns about problem gambling. In addition to being a professor, you're obviously also a priest. Do you see moral issues with legalizing things that we consider vices? I know, for example, I, uh, casinos, marijuana, now sports betting. And is it the place of the state to make that kind of judgment? Well, you know, I've, I've nicknamed it now that you used to have an ethics of sacrifice where people would be willing to give up certain things in order for the common good. <laughs> it does seem now that the, I will say the ethics of tolerance has won out. And what I mean by that is lots of people now go by the, by the ethic. As long as you don't hurt somebody else, you should be able to do it. And I think with gambling in right now, let's face it, we, we started out with, a, this thing, Massachusetts started out with a lottery in 1972, around 72 or 73. And then it took a well over 30 years to come up with casino gambling. And then finally noticed sports gambling. So it seems like the various forms of gambling they get approved a lot quicker. And it, um, I meant, one of the things that has struck me by the way of this issue, and I'm, I'm just finishing up an article on it is, it took over 30, over 30 years for, for 30 states to have a lottery. It took less than three years for 30 states to have sports gambling. Well, definitely a big difference there. Um, and Senator, I know you mentioned some of this, plenty of senators have these concerns about problem gambling, things along those lines. What were some of the things that you inserted into the bill to address these? You know, I'm thinking like the prohibition on credit card use. Talk about some of those. Yeah, so well, the prohibition on credit cards is a big one, but uh, you know, just to build off what, what Father McGowan was, was just talking about, uh, what he just cited is exactly why we, I think, had to pass the, the bill that we passed last week, which is uh, a, a sports betting bill that's really scaffolded by very significant consumer protections, really among the most aggressive in the entire country. Uh, just a couple example, as you mentioned, the ban on credit cards. That's significant. Um, and there's been some misunderstanding about this. We would allow electronic payments, obviously, uh, because there's a digital uh, betting component here, but it would be debit cards and other electronic payments, not credit cards. A lot of senators were very uncomfortable with the idea of somebody impulsively on their couch by themselves with their phone in their hand, racking up tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in credit card bills that they then could not pay. Uh, that is um, very damaging behavior and it does hurt others. It hurts people's families, it hurts people's communities. Uh, so that was something that was that was very front, in, front of mind. We also uh, do, put in place pretty significant limitations on advertising, uh, including bans on pop-ups, and also a ban on re-solicitation, meaning that if somebody decides to opt out, 
and you know cool down or turn it off, the operator cannot re-solicit them or go back at them or re-email them or text message them or target advertising back at them. We also included a provision that kind of throttles play a little bit after $2,500. So if you're, if you're betting and you're spending money and you hit $2,500, you have to re-opt in to keep going. Again, the idea here is to just, to just create a little bit of a throttling for people so that if they're getting into a situation where they're in trouble, uh, they, they, can, they can stop. Uh, we also include a, a very uh, significant self-exclusion option, self-exclusion list, and we require very active coordination and monitoring and data sharing with the Gaming Commission to, to spot problems uh, right away. So, you know, in totality, these, these consumer protections will, will make this bill, I think, probably the most uh, aggressive in terms, of, uh, in terms of wraparound support of, of any bill of its type in the country. And to Father McGowan's point about the, and it's an important one of how fast, you know, in three years, basically, you've seen more than 30 states uh, legalize. You know, th this has weighed on us. We're not an island. And for better or worse, almost all of our neighboring states have legalized uh, uh, sports betting. And there are a lot of Massachusetts residents crossing state boundaries every single day to, to, to place bets. So at the end of the day, it's really, I think, a public policy goal to bring that activity back into our own borders where we can regulate it, we can, we can tax it, we can keep eyes on it, make sure it's safe. Uh, and so you got to view those two things really in connection to each other. We, we, can't, we can't put moats around us uh, and we've got to at least be sort of on the same page with the states in our in our immediate geographic region about how this, this uh, activity is regulated. So obviously the only way this is gonna become law is if the House and Senate can agree on a final version. It seems like at this point, one of the key differences between the Senate and House bills is that the Senate would not allow betting on college sports and the House would. And House Speaker Ron Mariano has essentially called that a deal breaker. So Senator, why does the Senate wanna ban betting on college sports? And do you think there's room to negotiate that with the House? Well, well, first, you know, language is important here because betting is already not allowed on college sports. So it's, it's not like we're, we're taking away an activity. Uh, it's that as we're scoping a new market and a new legalization, we're focusing on professional sports. Uh, and the reason for that is a few things. First of all, college sports and professional sports, many of the senators felt are very different. Uh, you know, college athletes are not paid. I know that that's changing and that, that there's a big debate, but there's a lot of question marks around that. College athletes aren't paid, professional athletes are. College athletes are not in players associations or protected by collective bargaining agreements. Pro play, professional players are. The colleges have told us, including BC, have told us that they don't want betting on their campuses and they don't believe that betting and a betting culture is a, is an environment that they want with their athletes or, or with their student populations. The professional players associations and the teams and the leagues have all really with one voice told us that they're ready to do, you know, safe uh, pro betting and that they're prepared to work with states uh, on implementation. So for a variety of reasons, they're just in very different places. And look, I get it, you know, March Madness is big business and people wanna be able to bet, you know, in March Madness and in other uh, college, college sports. But I think the feeling was, was that there was consensus on the pro team. So let's get it moving. Let's get it up and running with pro teams, see how it goes and, and, then, uh, and, and, then, and then, you know, make decisions after that. 
And Father McGowan, on this topic, there's over 30 states that have allowed sports betting. Are there other states that have different regulations for college versus professional sports? And how has this issue of college betting played out in other states? Uh, you know, what uh, Senator Lesser said, it, for the most part, most states aren't, uh, they realize that the vast majority of people, by the way, are interested in, in betting on pro sports. And I would probably say also, in the, especially around the Boston area or even most of Massachusetts, it, people follow pro sports. When you bet, normally you do think you, you think you can beat the odds and then you know the sports. Uh, I don't think there's a there's really that great of a demand, and, and in fact, by the way, the, you have some state now. Illinois is really going out all the way. They actually allow people like in in the stadium, like at at, uh, uh, at, at the Wrigley Field or even the baseball field. You can actually bet on on online while you're in the stadium. So they are really aggressive that way. Um, I think sports gambling would go over a lot bigger in the South. I'm, I'm sure that's where they really would be. So if you were a, a legislator in, we'll say Texas, um, Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, there the college thing would make a lot of, I, I really just don't think it's gonna make that big of a difference in, in Massachusetts, but I might be wrong. But again, uh, March Madness is a whole different ballgame. But even there, when people play March Madness, they. It's it's like almost like a, a cultural thing. You just pick a you pick a thing and you you run you run the risk and you go from there with it. But um, in general, I think you know I think what what most uh, um, even in Nevada, by the way, by far when you when you ask the casinos out there, almost ninety percent of the money is spent on pro sports, not college. And a lot of what this debate is about is revenue. The Senate bill is estimated to bring in, I believe, $35 million annually. The House bill is expected to bring in about $60 million. Father McGowan, what have you seen in other states in terms of does sports betting bring in the amount of money that we think it's going to bring in? How does how important is it in terms of revenue generator? Well, I mean, again, I think, you know, depending on what, you're, uh, what Senator Lesser was talking about earlier, New Jersey certainly excuse the pun here, hit the jackpot because they were the first state in the Northeast. Uh, they, they, were, they started out where you had, to go, you had to go to a casino or a racetrack in New Jersey, then eventually went online. And so they attracted a lot of people uh, from New York, from Pennsylvania. All right. And then clearly, as, as, as was mentioned earlier, that's when those two states said, wait a minute, if everybody's crossing the line to come to New Jersey to make their sports betting bet, that therefore let's, let's, let's legalize it. So Jersey's probably done the best. And so, but trying to, trying to uh, make your estimates on New Jersey is kind of difficult because they, they, they've been up, they, they, they got uh, a lot of loyalty from the betters after a while. Um, I think it depends on the rate of return, things like that. But in general, for most states, I would say they overestimated how much revenue they thought they were really not bringing in. Uh, especially, basically what you're saying is you're trying to keep your own citizens in, in the comeback home. And you're really not trying to increase the number of betters. That's what I'm getting at there. So I would probably say in general, it's probably a little bit overestimated. And Senator Wasser, talk a little bit more about why the Senate is choosing to bring in revenue in a different way than uh, the House bill. And 
Additionally, is there consensus on how the money will be spent, or is that going to be a big part of the debate? Well, I, I you know, I, there are differences between the House and Senate bill on the tax rate on, on how the money is, is allocated once it's raised. Uh, but the Senate bill kept a, a fairly wide open lens of about 90 percent, I believe, maybe a little over 90 percent of the of the money raised would be going directly to the general fund. Uh, the rest would be going to a, a, a public health uh, fund to help support some of the addiction and wraparound services. Uh, and our, our feeling was, was just keep it as flexible as possible. It would go into the same general revenue fund that, you know, general tax revenue is, goes into and then would be appropriated through the normal budgeting process every year. Uh, and I just want to want to talk briefly uh, about what Father McGowan mentioned, because it's a very important point on these tax rates and on the revenue. The, the numbers that get thrown around with sports betting can be very misleading in terms of the revenue for the state. Often the, the figure that is cited is what's called the handle, which is the total amount that's bet. Uh, but that's not the amount that's taxed. The amount that's taxed is the spread in between what's paid to the two betters and the and the piece held by the house. So uh, it's, it's actually a, a highly it's a very small margin uh, and it's a highly becoming a highly commoditized product as more and more states come online and more and more operators offer it. So, you know, even in New Jersey, uh, which has these eye popping uh, handles, the share of that handle that's collected by the state in the form of tax revenue is a small, small share of that, of that overall handle. So even the house bill, for example, which, which goes farther than the Senate, like you mentioned on college and some other things, you're talking about a $60 million uh, revenue collection for the state. Obviously, that's nothing to sneeze at. It would be, be put to good use for healthcare and parks and schools and everything else. But just to give people a little bit of context on that, the lottery collects a billion dollars a year. Uh, and so we're talking about a small fraction of what even just the lottery collects. So I don't think it's a compelling argument to say that we need to do this to balance the state's books because it's not going to be some sort of structural change to the state's revenues. It could have pretty profound social and cultural changes, though. So I think it's more important that the product and that the law be done right with the right kinds of protections in place and the right kind of market set up. And, and, uh, and, uh, and a secondary priority is obviously the revenue collection. So as you were putting this bill together, Senator, were there other states that you looked at as a model of who's doing it right or who's not doing it right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we, we certainly paid a, a close attention to our neighboring states. Uh, there were elements of different states that worked very well, elements that didn't work well. New Jersey uh, does have a very well-established and, and well-respected kind of regulator and, and infrastructure. They, of course, have Atlantic City. They have a lot of experience with gaming. Uh, you know, we learned, for example, Rhode Island did a uh, did their um, did their sports betting as a direct contract through their state lottery in the in beginning that was a mistake because uh when the patriots won the super bowl their 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 bout their their um their pools weren't balanced so the state actually ended up losing money as you can imagine most people in rhode island were betting for the patriots when the patriots won they had these payouts that cost them money so uh that was a, a little bit of a lesson uh and we've kind of studied the different tax rates so so yes i actually think that because massachusetts has waited we've been able to learn some of the best practices around the country. And I've also been able to try to control for some of the deficiencies around the country and are going to end up with a much better law as a result. 
And Father McGowan, is there anything that you've learned from studying other states that you think Senator Lesser and his colleagues should be taking into account? Maybe something that they haven't so far? Well, it's funny that Senator Lesser mentioned the thing about Rhode Island. So I often thought, I wonder why the lottery commissions, they, they're certainly set up that they could do this. Um, and one of the problems is then, then you would almost have to have, which I've now realized, if you were going to have state lottery commissions take it over by themselves, they would actually almost have to cooperate with each other like Powerball, because then you would have to, so for instance, what, you know, when the Patriots are trying to, who, who they beat that Super Bowl, you would almost have to get lottery commissions from, from the out west to cooperate and spread the bets out that way, which is what, by the way, which is what the casinos do. You spread the bets. So that would be one thing. Um, I do have to wonder, I, and I, I don't know if the senator can answer this, what, what percentage of the revenue is going to go towards problem gambling and how they would support that. Um, and I think for, you know, given that colleges uh, and universities are probably, if they're not the biggest business in, in, in Massachusetts, they certainly are near the best. I mean, this is going to cause a real problem for some of the colleges because of what they're going to do with their internet and do block out sports gambling and things like that. So that's going to be an interesting phenomenon about how the colleges deal deal with it. Senator, you want to answer the question about revenue? Uh, so, so the Senate bill, uh, I believe, is eight percent or nine percent goes to uh, the public health, uh, to the public health fund. The rest to the general fund. Uh, but keep in mind, we have an existing twenty-three k uh, gaming law which regulates our uh, brick-and-mortar casinos. You know, Encore, Plain Ridge, MGM, and there's significant funding streams from there that also support uh, addiction and problem game, gaming. And we can always, of, of course, appropriate. Uh, more, more ourselves through the direct budget process, but the but the gaming law, or excuse me, the sports betting law we passed last week, uh, I, I believe it's eight percent, eight or nine percent. That's pretty. That's actually very good. And a final question. I'll give the same question to both of you. If you were betting men, don't know if you are, what are the chances of sports betting being signed into law this year? Start with Father McGowan, then go to Senator Lesser. Thanks for letting me start. Um, it's a good question. I would probably still say it's between 70 and 80 percent that they're going to, because I think the very thing that Senator Lester mentioned earlier is the fact that, let's face it, uh, I, you might as well, it's, it's all the neighboring states have it. So and why not bring it back to Massachusetts? I, I'm not going to place a bet. All I'll say is that, uh, you know, we've been working on it for several years now and, and there's there's growing consensus. The Senate for the first time uh, did a did a standalone you know, bill on the floor uh, and um, and uh, we'll see where it goes. That's what keeps things interesting. And you can learn more at CommonwealthMagazine.org, State Senator Eric Lesser and Father Richard McGowan of Boston College. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me.